Last week I started a sermon series called Nailed to the Cross based on one single passage of scripture that we're going to look at for the next several weeks and one song written by Isaac Watts in 1704. That song is When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And I mentioned early Methodist, and I mentioned early Methodist because Charles Wesley, Charles Wesley was John Wesley's brother, who was also a hymn writer, and many of his hymns reflect graphically, graphically portray Christ on the cross and his sufferings. Early Methodists believe that focusing on the suffering of our Lord had a transformational impact, spiritually transforming impact on a person's life. In Isaac Watts' hymn, When I Survey, he has a stanza that says, See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, our thorns compose so rich a crown. Last week, I asked you to look at the hands of Jesus nailed to the cross. This week, we're going to focus on his feet. Let me read you the passage of scripture that we begin with from the book of Acts, from Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. Peter said, men of Israel, we might say, people of Loosedale, listen to these words, Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Nailed to the cross. Peter graphically portrayed Jesus as nailed to the cross. And that day, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit took those words and convicted the hearers. And they came to repentance that day. Many of them did. The cross stands at the very center of our faith. And yet, lately, some have come to want to set the cross to the side and say, it's not very politically correct to talk about someone hanging on the cross. It's not politically correct to talk about the blood of Jesus. And yet that's central to our faith, so central. And hopefully you'll see why this morning. Some of the hymns that we've sung down through the years tell me the story of Jesus. Write on my heart every word. Tell of the cross where they nailed him, writhing in anguish and pain. Our songs graphically portray that message. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walked Christ my Savior, weary and worn, facing for sinners death on the cross, that he might save them from endless loss. Father, forgive them, thus did he pray. E'en while his lifeblood flowed fast away, praying for sinners while in such woe, no one but Jesus ever loved so. And then a more contemporary hymn uh, called The Power of the Cross. Oh, to see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men, torn and beaten, then nailed 
to a cross of wood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Look, if we do nothing as a church, one of the things that we ought to do is from Sunday to Sunday set our hearts and mind, our focus on the cross where our salvation was purchased. This morning, we're going to talk about the feet of Jesus. Why? Why talk about the feet of Jesus that were nailed to the cross? Because the very first thing, the very first reason is that in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible tells us about the feet of Jesus. Genesis 3.15, God warning Satan of a day to come when those crucified feet would crush his head. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Just to show you that what was happening on the cross was not an incident, not an accident of history, but Peter said he was delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. It was an event hoped for from the very day of Adam's fall. His crucified feet, here's the first point, still have power over the enemy. And that's something to rejoice about. They had power over the enemy on the cross. That was God's plan. They have power over the enemy in your life and in mine. Second, wherever the Bible says, wherever those feet are, become the place of his glory. I take you to the Old Testament book of Exodus, where in the third chapter of Exodus, Moses finds himself in the wilderness, and in the wilderness, he comes to a bush that burns, and he turns aside to see the bush, and suddenly he's overwhelmed with the glory of God, and the Bible says, the angel of the Lord spoke to him from the bush. Now, in the Bible, the angel of the Lord always turns out to be more than an angel. In fact, in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord is a pre-incarnate. That means before he came into the world as flesh, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the angel of the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Take your shoes off your feet, for the ground on which you stand is holy ground. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 13, the Lord makes this promise. He says, I shall make the place of my feet glorious. Even the cruel cross becomes an unforgettable place of glory because it was where Jesus' feet were nailed to the cross. Wherever he plants those feet, unusual things happen. That's why in the New Testament, You find people of all ranks and all classes falling at his feet. Next, those with needs laid them at his feet. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 30, the Bible says, and we see this story not just once in Matthew, but over and over, large crowds came to him, bringing with him those who were lame, crippled, blind, and mute, and many others, and they laid them down at his feet. And he healed them. Why did they lay them at his feet? Why were they compelled to do such a thing? It is because anything, sickness, suffering, sorrow, 
diseased demon must yield to his sovereignty. Every issue in our lives, every need, every circumstance must be laid at his feet and placed under his lordship. Demons, disease, death, and the devil will ultimately bow at his feet. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 25, For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And Paul said in Ephesians 1, And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. His lordship over us allows us, allows me and you to bring my needs and you to bring your needs and lay them at his crucified feet. I wonder if the disciples recognized the beauty of his feet and the place of his feet as a place of glory. Did they understand the sovereignty of those crucified feet? Well, one of the ways we know they did was that after the resurrection, his disciples worshiped at his feet. You know the story of how the women greeted him at the tomb. The Bible says Jesus met them and greeted them and they came up and what did they do? The Bible says they took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. There's something about that name we sing. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name but there's something about those feet. Also in the New Testament you find those who were consumed by desperation fell at his feet. One of my favorite stories is the story of Jairus. Jairus was a synagogue ruler. In other words, he ran things at the church, basically. That's what he did. He ran things at the synagogue. He ran things at the church. But he had a little girl at home who was sick, and he couldn't fix things in his own house. I understand that. I've been there and done that. I'm the preacher, but I can't fix things. Not at my own house, not at your house. You're a deacon and you can't fix things. And what do you do when you can't fix things and you're supposed to be somebody who can? You're the person at the church, but you can't fix things. What did he do? Well, the Bible tells us that Jairus came and when Jesus stepped out of the boat, he fell at his feet and said, Lord, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come to my house. And so that may be where you are today. You're that person who is so desperate that you will acknowledge, Lord, I have things in my life and in my home that I can't fix. All I can do is fall at your feet. No other feet can demonstrate sovereignty over my circumstances. When we bring anything to the feet of Jesus, we will find that he, as he has promised, will make the place of his feet glorious. But Jairus wasn't the only one. I'm reminded of that Gentile woman who did not know the Lord and had not lived for the Lord, who had a little daughter who was cruelly demon-possessed, and she made her way to Jesus because she loved her little girl. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 7, verse 25, that after hearing of him, she immediately came and fell at his feet. These people were desperate. Are you so desperate to seek his feet Will you, by faith, seek those crucified feet and worship him? One of the things that we also see in the scripture is that significant moments of worship took place at his feet. I don't know if you've ever wondered, but it made me wonder why, why we 
do things a little bit different today. When you see the preacher, do you fall at his feet? Well, of course not. You might shake his hand, but you know in the New Testament, no one ever came up and took the hand of Jesus except to crucify. They didn't say, we want to hold your hand. They didn't do that. They didn't even come and touch his face and put their hands on his face. No, they didn't do that. I don't think they would dare do that. But they fell at his feet. Do you not understand today that those sovereign feet are sovereign over our circumstances? The place of his feet is still glorious. And if they were worshipped then, now, since they have been nailed to the cross for my sin and yours, we should bow at his feet in grateful worship. I'm also reminded of that story in the New Testament where Jesus came into the home of a Pharisee. He was invited into that home. The Pharisee had him into his home but didn't know who Jesus was really. He didn't understand who he was. He didn't appreciate who he was and he didn't appreciate the sinfulness of his own life. And that's one of the things that's very important when you come into the presence of Jesus. You not only recognize who he is, you recognize who you are. Isaiah in his presence said, Woe is me. And whose presence was he in? Well, God, in the Gospel of John, John said he saw Jesus. He saw his glory. And he said, Woe is me. He not only saw him for who he was, he saw himself for who he was. This Pharisee didn't have that experience, but uninvited into his home, there was a sinful woman who came by with, you know the story, the Bible says that she came with an alabaster vial of perfume and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with her hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Why his feet? What is the picture that our Lord wants us to see? Did that sinful woman recognize that the place of his feet was glorious. You know, the cross is an instrument of execution. And yet, we have a new bulletin board out in our hall, and nobody did it by my suggestion, but somebody put a cross out there. Why would we put a cross, an instrument of execution, in a place of worship? Because the feet of Jesus sanctified that cross. They made the place of his feet Glorious. It's glorious to us. We look at the cross and we sing about the cross and we celebrate the cross. Paul said to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the Gentiles, it's foolishness. But to us, it's the power of God and the wisdom of God. What did Jesus say about the sinful woman after she had worshipped at his feet? He said, her sins which are many are all forgiven. How many of you here today just need to fall at his crucified feet and seek his forgiveness? The Bible says in Psalm 99 verse 5, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Placing yourself at his feet is a good decision. As a matter of fact, it's the best decision. You remember the story of the little family in the New Testament, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Jesus came to 
the home. One time Martha was fixing him a meal. She was very busy doing things. And then she got sort of aggravated because Mary, the Bible says, was seated at his, seated at his feet listening to his word. And Martha, busy and bothered about so many things, came to the Lord and complained. And she said, look, my sister's not helping me. And Jesus said, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. That's the best place you can be is at the feet of Jesus. When he arose from the dead, he wanted his disciples to see his crucified feet. In Luke chapter 24, verses 39 and 40, he said, See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Do you see those crucified feet? Later, in that same little home where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived, Lazarus got sick, and they called for Jesus. And Jesus didn't come in time, and Lazarus died. But when Jesus did come, the same sister Mary, who sat at his feet as he taught, the Bible says, when Mary saw where Jesus was, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She took her deepest grief to Jesus' feet. Now, one of the things that we've said is we can take our sin to Jesus' feet. We can take our sorrow to Jesus' feet. We can take our suffering to Jesus' feet. We can take our circumstances to Jesus' feet. Why is that? Because his crucified feet are strong. They are strong. The first book of the Bible talks about the feet of Jesus. The last book of the Bible talks about the feet of Jesus. John said in chapter 1 of Revelation verse 15, His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace his voice was like the sound of many waters when I saw him I fell at his feet like a dead man and he placed his right hand on me and said do not be afraid I am the first and the last look do you have something here today that bothers you, something that you brought into this sanctuary in your heart or something you left at home that bothers you about which you're afraid or something in the future that bothers you about which you're afraid? Take it to the feet of Jesus. Jesus will lay his hand on you and say, look, it's under my sovereignty. I have it under my control. Micah looked forward to the day when his crucified feet would walk in triumph over our sins. From Micah, the Old Testament book of Micah, chapter 7, verses 18 and 19, he said, Who is a God like you, who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast our sins into the depths of the sea but before he could do that before he could tread our iniquities underfoot his feet 
had to be nailed with great nails to a wooden cross so that he could make the place of his feet glorious. Holy is he. Worship at his footstool. His crucified feet are strong. One of our hymn writers has written, Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want thee forever to ransom my soul. Break down every idol, cast out every foe. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Lord Jesus, for this I most humbly entreat. I wait, blessed Lord, at thy crucified feet. By faith, for my cleansing, I see thy blood flow. Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. See, from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Bring your sin, your suffering, your sorrow your circumstances to the feet of Jesus because his crucified feet are strong. They are strong. Let's pray.